Welcome to the latest episode of Let Me Tell You Something. We've reached the halfway point of our Meltzer 5 star based on one flipping week of wrestling that he deigned to give 5 matches, 5 stars or higher. We're on to night 2 of Wrestle Kingdom. Night 1 having provided us one 5 and a quarter star match and another 5 star match. I don't know why we even bothered with the second one. We might as well have just gouged our eyes out. But we didn't and our eyes are able to see a snother five-star match and by us i mean myself Lorcan mullen and my co-host simon cross now i'm going to pull you up slightly we're, we're not at the halfway point yet the halfway point will come somewhere in the middle of this it'll be when you're allowed to have your fifth word we're at like 40 something percent now <laughs> so the master of pedantry over here oh you can piss off the one time i do it to you <laughs> I got a taste of my own medicine, and it is bitter. <laughs> Simon, we are what are we covering tonight? The never open weight title match between the challenger Jeff Cobb, a debutant on this uh, list, against someone who has been on the list before, and seems like he's going to notch up. A few more matches yet in his lifetime, based on his current trajectory, Shingo Takagi. Yeah, he definitely seems to be one of Meltzer's favourites, and and one that seems to be as close to unanimous agreement. Like there are figures even like Okada and Omega. Maybe until the next episode, Jay White that had divisive opinions in the online world, but it seems like pretty much everyone's unified that Shingo Takagi is someone special. I was just going to say, is this the first never open weight championship match no. that we've covered? I know we've covered at least one, and that one featured the man that I think his shadow looms large over this match. That being my boy, one of my boys. It's funny. It seems like the dynamic of factions in. New Japan at the moment seems to be that there is an enforcer figure behind the leader who's smaller, brawnier, bulkier, and just an out and out powerhouse. For Chaos, Okada has the Stone Pitbull. And now for Los Ingobernables de Apon, it might have been evil in the past for Tetsuya Naito, but now it is. It's not evil anymore, and he knows why. Dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if he just changed his name from evil to dickhead. <laughs> a little on the nose, don't you think? I was evil. <laughs> this is dickhead. Everyone is dickhead. Uh. That'd be that'd be if you've grown up a scouser instead of Japanese. And for the Empire, the recently formed Empire faction, it is. Jeff Cobb. But Jeff then what's Okada? Well, he's... I guess he's sort of more like a bodyguard. Jeff Cobb's definitely higher in the pecking order over Okada. Yeah, I suppose. Getting title matches at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, it seemed like Jeff Cobb had yet to find a defining role within New Japan since he was brought in, essentially as the replacement for Michael Elgin. 
Japan's always loved that squat square. Wrestling. They like having a square. Yeah. That's a physique that seemed to have an... I don't know if maybe it seems quite similar to the sumo culture Yeah, and it's well, not perhaps. just a New Japan thing to hark all the way back to Furnace and Crawford. They're not tall men, but they are stacked men. No. Well, I guess you've also got Steve Williams and Terry Gordy. Yeah, St- Steve's a bit bigger, like height-wise, but yeah. In New Japan, they had Scott Norton there you go. for the longest yep. time. Who never meant anything in WCW, but in New Japan, he was a two-time IWGP heavyweight champion. I think it's because there it's less of an aesthetic, it's more mm. the function of it. You look at the physiques of most Japanese wrestlers until quite recently, there wasn't really any need for a rippling six-pack. Now you're getting your shows and your Sanadas and your Ibushis and your Ishimori's. Yeah, but he's not a native yeah. talent, but you're not technically not a native talent. That's why Jeff Cobb fits in so well within this world. He has that Olympic background, and this was really a showcase for him, I thought, this match. This, to me, has solidified he'll be a part of New Japan's future for as long as he and they want him to be for the next few years, I think. That seems to be increasingly defined by these sorts of matches. I think they said it's the BMF belt was what they were saying in the commentary. And I don't mind that as an idea that this idea of a stylistic championship, similar to the X division. Yeah, what was their strap line? We don't believe in weight limits, we believe in no limits. Whereas this one, it's we don't believe in weight limits, we also don't believe in (laughs) concussion protection. Or anything like that. Because Takagi's just come from a trilogy of matches with uh, Minoru Suzuki for that Ah. championship as well. So it is going to be the match for brutalising. And also, I think one of the reasons that people love it so much is that it's also the championship for 20-minute matches, not 40, Mm. 50-minute epics necessarily. And there is no real feel-out process. It is just... Big move after big move. This is a almost spot fest in a sense that there's not like everything that's hit is hit with a purpose and with an impact and uh, with. It's like there's no sizzle. It's all steak. Just all two big, beefy, beefy steaks tenderizing each other. Both of these men would eat the steaks that MJF and yes. Chris Jericho. Ordered. I would. I'm hasten to add they would probably just bite out of the sides of cows. <laughs> but it's funny because Jeff Cobb was a bit more of a smiley happy guy for the first two G1s that he was in you watch him in the backstage promos and he was very humble in his way and it feels like now that they want him to be the Empire's guy and it's that sense that he seems to have felt betrayed by the fans or something they didn't get mm-hmm. behind him enough after he was all nice and friendly to them so he's just going to go more the other way yeah and I think that will that will pay off for him in the future. Uh, my guess is that the G1 next year, uh, this year, sorry, he'll collect more than the six points mm. I think he got for the last two. My guess is he'll be on eight or ten points when it's all said and done. And maybe win the Never Open Weight title at some point this year. I wouldn't put it past him. Which he's held before, actually, because he had that title unification match with Will Ospreay. Uh, Madison Square Garden that he won. What I also liked about this match, and I don't even know if it was deliberate, but as one of the things everyone always says about what's great about Bret Hart, again, we're always going back to Bret Hart recently, but is that he sells exhaustion and things become harder to do yeah. as the match progresses. And in this match, moves became more of a struggle and they started to become more sloppy in the way that they did it. Some say some might be through a mistake or something, but I think in, for the most part, it is just both of them are selling the effects of it and things are harder to hit 
there's a great moment towards the end when Takagi hits him with a lariat, but he's so exhausted he falls to his hands and knees. And because Cobb is still up from after the move, he uses that to immediately hit him with a German oh, suplex. Yes. Cobb has insane explosiveness. The Femans match is whatever Shingo's throwing at him, Cobb just somehow, somehow keeps standing. And a great example of that, I've jumped around a little bit, but the most explosive move is just that overhead belly-to-belly right at the start. He just launches Shingo into the air. I would equate it in terms yeah. of like height, almost to the height that Osprey got on that backdrop off of Okada in the match we discussed a couple of episodes ago. Just bodies him, just absolutely crushes him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the first part of the match is all about showing how good Jeff Cobb is and how he completely overwhelms Shingo in the way that he's experienced in overwhelming his opponents. Even when he moved up from a junior to a heavyweight, he was still very often the powerhouse in the match, like the one that we've already covered in the G1 Climax against Kazuchika Okada. He was using his power yeah. to try and beat Okada in that match. And with this one, he's being overwhelmed. But at the same time, Cobb shows that he's got other moves in his arsenal. He hits him with a drop kick that surprises him. And there's a real sense early on that Shingo is in deep waters mm. with this match. Uh, actually, very early on, Takagi knocks him down and Jeff Cobb kicks out so hard that Takagi does the over-the-top jumping away sell, that he, the force of the kick out being a shock to him. I think Takagi really plays up. He's out of his element here. The opponent is the Shingo to him. I'm being out Shingoed. And what I love is that one of the things that really turns the tide for him in the end is when he takes his knee out. That he has to act smart. He has to target him in a way that other people might target Shingo. When Jeff Cobb hits him with the tour of the islands, his knee... Is still hurt from that, and that's all. That's that great finisher protection there because it's not only the fact that the knee gives out, but yeah. when he does eventually cover him, the positioning's not quite right, so he has to recover him as well. And Takagi's been edging towards the ropes as he goes for the pin, so that he can put his foot on, and then Jeff Cobb lifts both the legs mm. up, and by that time, it's enough time for him to he's barely now, kick like, out safe. of this. He's not powering out of it like Cobb was earlier. He's he's just surviving. He's enduring yeah. Jeff Cobb. What do you think to the fact that this is a short... Would you like more championship matches, both for these secondary titles, but also the main title to be a bit more along this length of time? Because it feels like exactly feel as long as variety and length is needed. And with New Japan's main titles, it's something I don't think we're getting at the minute. A famous example, in terms of like how jarring it was as well, in terms of percentage of offense, is the Lesnar-Cena-Summerslam match. Because that's not long, but that's very memorable. A, for like the percentage of offense, and B, just because it was so different to what we were used to. Okada Omega was a great example. By the end, you were like, well... The first 20 minutes of this aren't going to be anything in terms of like there's not going to be a finish, which is why that uh, G1 match that they had, which we covered before the match started, that had like a different nature to it because it's like, well, you've only got half an hour this time. And that worked for that story. But by and large, I think I don't like knowing that it's going to be a long ride just because of the title that that's being fought for. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I think this is a great showcase, like we say, for Jeff Cobb. And also just the big moves, some of the stuff that they threaten to do as well. That moment when he's 
looking to do a crucifix powerbomb to Takagi oh, to the outside. You know, it was the fact he was lining him up for the ramp. I was like, oh, he's, he, he's going to wriggle out. He's going to wriggle out. Then he got level with the ramp. It's like, he might actually launch him here. Also, insane strength as well. <laughs> And how we often say the good use of a dive is when you've been beaten up for a long time and you can use it as like an equaliser. And Takagi does knock Cobb off the apron immediately follows it up with a tope. And again, it's that funny thing. When Takagi was against the juniors, he was so often the big guy that they were having to do that too. And now he's the one that's having to, the smaller guy, not as powerful, who's having to launch his whole body as a weapon in order to It's like seizing his opportunities, like seeing the gaps and and not having to take them, not being able to like power through the gaps, but like having to snatch at the gaps. The dive's an example. The chop block he hits before he hits the dragon screw is another example. He has to use his brain and he has to use different... It's like a killer instinct comes in rather than just like a blow of overwhelming force. I don't know if it's killer instincts as much as it's survival mm. instincts. Like when Jeff Cobb puts him up for a powerbomb, it's Takagi that goes for a Hurricane Rana. Again, whilst he was a junior, as John Moxley said when he wrestled him in the G1, the hell that guy's a junior <laughs> heavyweight. Yeah, the survival instincts possibly more. Like He's like a cornered animal. He's not weaseling out of it like a cowardly heel that's cornered who then develops a vicious streak. He's like a powerful animal that's like, been took into as we as you've mentioned unfamiliar waters and as a result he's doing things you wouldn't normally associate with him he's like striking in like a more vicious way in in like he's seeing little gaps and having to having to grab at them because jeff cobb whilst we say he is coming is in in as an enforcer in the mold of an ishii and takagi he is his own version of that and i think it's quite good actually that you cited brock lesnar in that he's using power moves and suplexes and the like in the way that Ishii would use forearms yeah. and elbows and the like. That's what he's going to pepper you with throughout the match to completely wear you out. That is his main arsenal. Because it became a really popular thing a few years ago on the indie scene to mm. do the deadlifts. And I think that Jeff Cobb is maybe the best at that and he, I mean, the, like you say, the tour of the islands, the the shifting weight with the back suplexes. It's such a cool visual. And it makes sense as well that he's trying to disorient. I was going to say, both opponents. he and Brock do have significant amateur wrestling pedigree. Obviously, Cobb representing Guam mm. yeah. in the Olympics as well. Yeah, Brock, Brock is an interesting comparison because maybe he is like a Honolulu Lesnar. It's just weird little things like him just combing his hair forward and having it over his eyes, giving that air of menace and mystery to him that he didn't have before. It's weird how mm. just something as simple as that notes. A, a I had Rhino in my head when he first turned up in WWE in terms of like having his hair in a similar sort of style, making him look like more wild and more me- menacing. He will engage in forearm battles, but they're not as yeah. strong. Yeah, Shingo's like right hands as well. Some of those land real flush and look really, really good. His working strike, I don't want to be fair. I don't know how much of it's working and how much of it's <laughs> not. It looks that realistic, like some of Shingo's like right hands. Where do you think Shingo's going to go from here long term? What's the, what's the plan for Shingo, do you think? I think his limit is the hmm. Intercontinental title. I can't see him winning the heavyweight. I can see him maybe getting to challenge. The pecking order now is that it's Naito, 
Sonada, Takagi. And then really most factions will only have two or three challengers for the title mm. at that. He's not going to ever be a Wrestle Kingdom headliner, I don't think. Because I mean, he's a bit too old now, really. But I think they see him as a fantastically solid upper mid-carder. So that would be my guess that he might get some IWGP. If they if they divide the belts, he'll get some IWGP Intercontinental titles. I don't think he's going to do a G1 final, maybe. But I think he's going to be... I think he'll be in a higher position than I think Jeff Cobb might ever okay. reach, personally. But he is in his... Well, they both are, to be fair, in their mid to late Cobb's 30s. Cobb's 38. So I know that much. The, well, they uh, said they're the same age, so so Takagi will be 38 as well. So there's only so long you can go with them anyway. But I think for the next four to five years, they'll both be very well preserved. Mm. Like I said, I think they're inheriting the mantle of Ishii because Ishii had no big match on Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, and very often he would be in that open weight or Rev Pro Usually slapping someone around. Slot. You know, he may have entered against Jay, Jay White in the G1 last year in the final night for that block. So I think that will be what they are. They're, they're people that can go in, can realistically beat an Okada or an Osprey or a Naito mm. occasionally, but more often than not, they're like a they'll be they'll be like a key stepping stone for when Yuya Yamira or Yota Suji or Gabriel Kidd are making their move up the card after their young lions like days are over. Yeah, but gatekeepers mm. are the upper mid card, not the lower mid card. That's kind of where I see them going, and I think as long as they're making matches like this, people will be perfectly happy for them to do that. I think they did exactly what was expected of them, and for a lot of people, it was a five-star caliber match, including Dave Meltzer. Simon, do you have anything else to add before we ask? Was this Not a especially, match no, I, except that, like, I know I've said it before, but you don't realise just how powerful he makes shingo look a lot smaller than he is whilst also not diminishing shingo in terms of like jeff cobb's explosiveness it's really weird i mean neither yeah. of them are over six foot i don't think again that's why it works in new japan if you put either of them in in wwe it probably wouldn't fit as yeah. well really so i think i think jeff cobb's exactly where he should be really and it's where he's wanted to be for the longest time and like i said it never looked like it clicked but mm. this match was the, night the last Jeff Cobb match him, I, I watched without realizing it, we were going to be reviewing it was him in AEW as well. We like he can come over as like he's got freedom to come over and be an attraction. He was like positioned as the inner circles like bounty hunter for Moxley, and I imagine New Japan would give him. Well, let's see what the future relationship holds in terms of like his freedom to be things elsewhere. But he's got the option if he's in New Japan, he can do independence as well. There are limits to that. Yeah, though, with oh, New yeah. Japan. If you're on pretty much every tour, which I think you will be going forward, then you might not even, for, your, for the sake of your own body, want to do a lot more other than that. And he definitely won't show up in AEW now as a New Japan contracted player unless there is a talent mm. agreement with New Japan. So I would put the hold on any ideas of him coming back as the inner circle no, guy for a while. Like that ship sailed with him in terms of the inner circle, but there are options. Yeah, I mean AEW in general. As long as he's now with New Japan, I don't think... I, th- I think this is where he wants to be and might be where he sees out his career, really, mm. if he's 38 now. So I'm glad he got it at this point. Yeah, I would, would you give this match I think five it stars? delivered expertly on two separate levels. It delivered in terms of like the two big hosses smashing into each other. And that's something I love as much as Dave sometimes when it's executed well. And as I've already mentioned, in terms of a vehicle for Jeff Cobb to look more like the real deal... 
it delivered there massively. Mm. I'm not. I'm going to go... Right now, I say it's four and a half in my eyes. I think it's just excellent for what it was. I, I didn't like it as much as mm. I liked Naito Ibushi, and I didn't give that five stars. I admired it greatly. I do love what Jeff Cobb did. I do love what Takagi did to make Jeff Cobb look good throughout this whole match. Through his expressions, through, like I said, the surprise at the start, and the real sense that he's had to chop down a mighty redwood mm. tree to win this match. But, you know, you can love a match dearly without giving it five stars, and that's what I'm... That's true. I think my um, love for big hosses is maybe like bumping my dial a bit more. Yeah, I've seen your internet search <laughs> I just, history. When big men are good wrestlers, it looks mint sometimes. Mm. Well, that is with three quarters of the way through Wrestle Kingdom, and now, son, will you agree that we're over the halfway point oh. for this week of wrestling? Right, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> Thank you. So what do we have now for the fourth stop, the final stop for Wrestle Kingdom, and the fourth from the 80% mark for... We have a match. As the listeners enter into the month... We have a match that, when the possibility of it being on Wrestle Kingdom was mooted, I was very excited about. And a match after night one that I was salivating for, and a match that, when I went into to watch, had a lot a lot of hype in my head. We have got reigning defending champion Kota Ibushi defending his IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental titles against the man who holds the G1 title opportunity briefcase. Didn't win the G1 final, but beat Kota Ibushi for that briefcase, Jay White. And I'm excited to talk about another Jay White match. I cannot explain how much pre-match hype this match had in my head. Will it live up to it? You'll have to wait and see. But until then, Simon, how can people get in touch with you to maybe get a preview uh, of your get feelings? People get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the minimum number of islands that Jeff Cobb will take you on a tour of. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Aloha. N for never. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook accounts. And if you feel like throwing a few pennies our way towards funding this, it's patreon.com. If you want to throw something other than pennies at us, you can throw us a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts feed. Mm. It will point out the high calibre of it, and maybe we'll get from there an even higher calibre of listener <laughs> that will actually give us money. But we still love you for what you give us, you Jesus. Jesus. But there's... <laughs> you tried to be all diplomatic and nice, and I threw it all away! I don't know why I fucking bother sometimes. <laughs> I swung you around with hope and then dumped you on the back of your head. Oh... But there's nothing left to say at this point. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.